we'll have a, probably a good time. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Um, we're going to read uh, verse 46, I believe it is. 46. Then we're going to go to Luke 18, but, you know, I've had preachers say, uh, uh, get, uh, get this verse in one hand and this verse in the other hand. And, and every time I try to do that, I end up dropping my Bible. I don't even know how you do that. So we're going to start at, at Mark chapter 10 and verse 46. It says, and they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. All right, Luke 18, Luke 18. Luke's account, Luke 18, verse 35, it says this, And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. See, Luke doesn't give you his name, but Mark does. And so it's named Bartimaeus, and... Uh, in verse 36, in hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth passed by. And he cried, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I'm sorry, thy faith hath saved thee. Verse 43 says this, And immediately... He received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Let's pray. Father, again we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord God, that you never make mistakes. Help us, Lord God, uh, tonight to say something that your spirit uh, can bear witness to, that you'd be pleased with. Father, help us to receive it, Lord God, in the right attitude and spirit. Thank God tonight. You're not the one playing hard to get. Help us not to be either. Help us to be receptive to your spirit. And I pray, God, that you'd be glorified. I pray, Father, if there's a sinner in here tonight that's never been saved, tonight would be their night. And I just thank you for the privilege to meet like this. Thank you for the freedom uh, that came at a high cost. And uh, I just appreciate, Lord God, this church uh, standing by the stuff all these years. And... Uh, and the privilege that I have to preach here. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so yeah, Bartimaeus here. He's a beggar. He's a blind man uh, to boot. And, uh, and we read it. You saw what it said. Verse 43 is where we'll get our message tonight. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. There's some uh, things right there in that verse we're going to emphasize tonight. Number one is this right here. It says, immediately, immediately received his sight. I did not begin consultation with an ophthalmologist. I didn't have to wait for an okay from his insurance company 
Amen. Uh, the Bible says, and immediately uh, he received his sight. Uh, there's things God can do for you, the Lord can do, that Jesus Christ can do. And he does them right now. And he does them immediately. And he doesn't get to clear it from anybody. And he, uh, he just, he'll do what, what, what seems fit to him. It says immediately. Now think about that. Imagine that, a full-grown man here seeing for the first time. Seeing for the first time. Uh, I've heard uh, 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 quotes by uh, Fanny Crosby about uh, looking forward to seeing Jesus Christ. I had a family came to our church, a couple blind gals used to come to our church, and uh, they'd sing, and they, they, God was all over them, and they'd say, uh, uh, we feel sorry for you people that can see. And, you know, and, and what are they talking about? And she'd say, this Donna would say, uh, first thing we'll ever see is Jesus Christ. Boy, that's the way to look at things. That's the way to look at things. Uh, this guy, I, can you imagine, I mean, seeing a sunrise for the first time or a sunset? One day I was out here, and many of you have done it many times. One time we were here and uh, up there on that lake and got to see the sunset uh, out there on Lake Ontario. What an amazing thing. I travel around and see uh, artwork that people are just trying to imitate what God does on a regular basis, and then they won't bother to be at the right place at the right time. I mean, coming into church last night, we had a rainbow. I mean, it was amazing. had all seven colors. You know, how did we let them hijack our rainbow? That's still something I got to, amen. I love, we travel, we love to travel. Uh, I like the mountains. She likes the ocean. And we both like both. What an amazing thing. Uh, when I stand on the Pacific Ocean and I look out there, here's what comes to mind. I know where that came from. I know who made it. Amen. This guy here is recorded as, as receiving his sight. I mean, something as simple as a flower or a tree. Can you imagine what it'd be like? We'd take it for granted. Let me tell you something. Uh, we've been to Maine. We're going to Maine next week. Lord willing, there's no tree shortage in America. That's a big lie. We got so many of them, we take them for granted. And here this guy, I mean, it just doesn't escape me, the fact that he received his sight and some of the things that we see all the time and, and, and don't even pick up on, don't even notice anymore, uh, he's seeing for the first time. That'd be a little overwhelming. Amen? I mean, to see color, to see color. My wife, she talks about going from uh, 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 being an overeducated hippie uh, uh, to, to being saved brand new born again Christian, she describes it like this, it's perfect. She goes, my life went from black and white to living color. Amen. That's the way it is. Amen. And, uh, and I mean, this guy, I'm thinking about this guy. What, what if he, what if, what would it be like to see a child's face? Not one with crying and snot all over, but what if, what, what if it was his child? What if, what if after Jesus passed by, that's what we're talking about tonight, after Jesus passed by, Bartimaeus got to look at maybe his own children. Who knows? Amen. Everything up until this moment had been black. Amen. I can't imagine living in pure, perpetual darkness. Can you? 
Take your Bible, go to, uh, go to Acts chapter 26. Uh, darkness describes an unsaved person's spiritual condition. In John the Baptist's commission that was given to Zacharias prior to his birth, in Luke chapter 1, uh, uh, the angel told him to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And prior to Jesus Christ passing by, like we're talking about tonight, that would describe every one of us. Sit in darkness in the shadow of death. In Acts 26, when Paul gives his testimony to King Agrippa, uh, he's on trial. Uh, he's in chains. Uh, he's defending himself. Uh, Acts 26 and verse 2 says this, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews. I know Christians... I know, now this is my crowd, so I'm not talking about all the mother folks. I don't know what they do. Uh, but I know Christians in our crowd that can't think themselves happy on a good day. I wonder about that. Because, you know what, I could get all hung up and be a negative, but I'm just so glad that I'm not going to hell. It just puts a smile on my face. I don't, I cannot bring myself to apologize for being glad to be redeemed. So I think these folks that uh, can't seem to think themselves happy and even get upset when other people are, personally, I think that's a personality disorder. Maybe there's a support group for them. I'm not sure. But Paul said, I think myself happy, and he goes on to describe how he got saved in his commission. And, uh, and uh, this is why he was sent to the Gentiles, uh, verse 18, Acts 26. And here's what Paul says, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. And he was called by God to do that very thing. Because, beloved, tonight we were in darkness without the glorious light of the gospel of Christ. And I want to remind you that it's within the power of Satan to cause people to think they're okay. You do much personal work and you'll hear people say, I'm okay. I mean, it is within the power of the devil to cause people that are in darkness to think they're okay, said Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4 said he blinded the minds of them which believe not. Amen? I'll tell you what it is God's desire that our eyes be opened. And I'm reading through this thing and it says that, uh, that uh, Bartimaeus uh, immediately received his sight. I'm thinking what a glorious event that had to have been for him. More than I can comprehend, you know, as a sighted person. But I want to say this, if you're in here and you're not saved, and maybe everybody is, I don't know, but every one of us knows somebody that's not. And we need to be reminded that scripturally, spiritual darkness would describe them. Spiritual darkness would describe you if you're not saved. And I'm not saying you're not a nice person, a good person, might be the nicest person in here. But we're talking spiritually speaking, I'm happy to report that uh, darkness can be turned to light immediately. Yeah, it's not a process. There's not a class you have to go to. Amen. You put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. 
I mean, it is not complicated. I got saved in a jail cell by myself, 6 o'clock in the morning, three weeks after hearing a message about hell and what Jesus Christ did so that I didn't have to go there. And I mean, it took three weeks, but I thought, you know, I may never get out of prison, but if I can put my faith in what Christ did on the cross, I didn't doubt that. I can get out of hell. That sounds like a pretty good idea. There wasn't nobody to argue with, debate with, get online with. It was just me and the Spirit of God in that cell. And the best way I knew how that morning, I asked the Lord to forgive me. And I meant it. Amen. And now, I mean, I couldn't give you uh, in biblical terms what happened, but I know what happened now. I went from darkness to light. I'm glad it's not complicated. I'm glad an old drug addict, an old, 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 old drunk, an old gang member like me at almost 38 years old uh, could get saved. Just by what? Just simply by being honest with myself and honest with God realizing and acknowledging that I had a sin debt I could not pay. That preacher said, you die without Christ, you're going to end up in the lake of fire. And, uh, and I, sure enough, didn't have any problem admitting I was a sinner. That's the first step. Amen? Amen? Believing on the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made is the only acceptable payment for sin. The Bible said the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that shouldn't be a hard choice. And uh, it is a hard choice. I mean, I was almost 38. And, uh, and I heard the gospel three weeks before that and had an invitation. And uh, I wasn't going to let some preacher think he got through to me. I'm going to tell you what, people die and go to hell because they're worried about what other people think. Oh, I'm glad I got over that. And if you're saved here tonight, you got over that. And uh, when you do, spiritually speaking, immediately, just like Bartimaeus here, immediately you receive your sight. Amen. And so, uh, let me see now. We're going to read verse 43, I think it is again. And immediately received his sight. Look what it says then. It said, and followed him. In Mark's account, in verse, uh, chapter 10 of verse 52, the Lord said it to him like this. Uh, and Jesus said unto him, Bartimaeus, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I mean, when Jesus said your faith made you whole, uh, and look, there was no strings attached. Amen. You believe I can do it? I can do it. Your faith hath made thee whole. And here Mark says, go thy way. And uh, it says, and immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. He didn't go his way. He followed Jesus in the way. What does that mean? He followed Jesus in the way he was going. Amen. Something changed. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. Jesus didn't tell him to. He told others to. He told Andrew and Peter and, and, and James and John over there. And, and, and Matthew chapter 4, he said, follow me. And I will make thee fishers of men. And they did. And I just gave you their names because we know who they are. We've read about them. God used them. But he said that to some other fellas. He said that to a couple guys over in Luke 9. He said, follow me. And they, they come up with the 
battle cry of the flesh that still is being uh, shouted from the rooftop these days. But let me first. And there's no record they ever followed him anywhere. And there's no record of their name. And we don't know who they are. Amen. Jesus said to those six that I just mentioned, follow me, but he didn't say that to Bartimaeus. He said, go thy way. <laughs> At Matthew's account, in, in, in chapter 20, Matthew mentions two guys, two beggars. And I realized that in Matthew chapter 8, he also mentions two at the cemetery there with the maniac Gadara. Now, there's no contradiction in the Bible. I was wondering, wondering why, why Luke and, and Mark only mention the one in each of these cases concerning Bartimaeus. And, and Matthew mentioned two, and he also mentioned two, two, uh, two maniacs. And I figured it out. You're very welcome. You can give me the credit for this. Matthew was a detail guy. So what do you mean? He was a tax collector. Matthew was into numbers. Matthew was into details. When Matthew gives his account, he's got all the details there. Amen? Okay, that might not be right, but I thought it sounded good. Matthew chapter 20, verse 34, it says, So Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight. That's consistent. And it said they followed him. They didn't follow Jesus to see what he would do next. And many did. I mean, multitudes fallen all over Galilee. He was doing things nobody had ever done before. He was saying things nobody had ever said before. And people were following him just like they would these days to see what he would do next. Amen. But not these guys. They, didn't, they, they weren't following him to see what what he might do for them, and people were doing that. People were falling around and bringing their, bringing their sick. And, and so maybe Jesus Christ could do something. For, these guys, they weren't falling for that reason. He'd already done it. He'd already done everything for them. And uh, they, they weren't following him because they were afraid that if they didn't, they'd go blind again. You know what that reminds me of? I might do this right here. Worried about losing your salvation... It is a bondage that Jesus Christ never intended you to be in when he set you free. That is not why these guys followed Jesus. They followed him for the same reason we should. They followed him because of what he had just done, what he had already done, what no one else could do. They followed him because he had given up their sight and they followed him out of gratitude. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 12 that that's reasonable. And now think of it in that perspective. You're blind as a bat. Actually blinder. Amen. You're sitting there begging because you can't do anything else. And Jesus Christ turned the lights on literally. Amen. Now if you wouldn't be overwhelmed with gratitude, and I understand it, why they followed him. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus Christ restoring the sight to Bartimaeus pales in comparison to what he did for you and I when he saved our soul from an eternal hell. 
and it just makes sense. And again, the Bible says it's reasonable. And, uh, and I believe we ought to follow him, not for what he might do, could do, would do, because of what he's already done, if you're saved. Amen. And uh, we don't follow Jesus Christ out of fear of losing our salvation. We don't follow him out of religious duty. I didn't get religion. We, we follow him out of gratitude. They did, and so should we. I uh, like that song, The Longer I'm Saved, The More I Like It. And uh, it's that one about I have decided to follow Jesus. Now, you can get saved by admitting you're a sinner and believing what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Amen. And it can go no farther. If I'd have never set uh, my foot in a church after that morning in that cell, I'm just as, I was just as saved then uh, as I am right now, 30 years later, being in church. But I'm going to tell you there's a decision that you do well to make. And it's the best decision you'll ever make after getting saved. And that's deciding to follow Jesus. And, uh, and uh, so I started coming to church. I said, all right, preacher, what do I do now? You know what he said? He said, you need to sit down and shut up. You need to be in every service. And you need to listen. And you need to learn about God. And that's what we need to do. Deciding to follow Jesus until uh, God calls you to something. And I'm not talking about the mission field. I'm not talking about a ministry. Until God uh, uh, gives you what you need to be a vessel meet for the master of youth. You know what you need to do? The first step toward following Jesus Christ is when your church is meeting, you be there. And when there's an outreach, you try to be there. And you watch and you listen and you learn. And we're, we just pick and choose when we're going to. You, if you can be satisfied with staying in the shallow end of the pool your whole life, well, you're welcome to. But that doesn't even make sense to me. Amen. So let me ask you tonight, are you saved? Are you following Jesus? Amen. And, you know, I get it. Uh, I, Thursday night. We've been here. This is the fifth day. Amen. As far as wearing me out preaching Sunday, didn't you think I was going to be preaching Sunday somewhere anyway? I mean, come on. <laughs> Amen. And so we need to follow Jesus. You need to uh, decide to follow the Lord. Why? Out of gratitude. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You want to have a praise and worship service? Here's how it goes. Thank you. <laughs> That's what he wants to hear. All right, now uh, verse uh, 43 again there in Luke 18. And uh, we're going to read it again. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it, gave praise unto God. Uh, verse 39, we already read it earlier, uh, said there, And they which went before the disciples rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried out the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. When this guy was begging, when this guy, he'd heard of Jesus, and when he heard it was Jesus, he cried out, and they couldn't shut him up. 
And it says that when they rebuked him, he cried out the more. Amen. So much the more, it says. And uh, so they couldn't shut him up before the Lord healed him. Nobody's going to shut him up now. He is bound and determined to glorify God. And the Bible says he did. So it said glorifying God. He followed him, glorifying God. He just didn't follow him. Oh, amen, you know. He, I mean, he was excited about being saved. I got to tell you, I believe it's scriptural to get excited about being saved. I don't understand. I don't understand uh, people that don't ever get excited about Jesus Christ. They get excited about everything else. They get excited about, what is, who is it again? The Mets? Quench the spirit there, didn't I? The Mets. Amen. The Buffalo Bills. Is that a, are they still around? I don't know. I don't know. I'm out of my element. But, I mean, come on. You want to get excited? I'm a Harley guy. And, uh, but, uh, man, Jesus Christ is what I get excited about more than anything else. Amen, amen. All right? So uh, he's glorifying God. Go, hold your place there or put something there and uh, look at Luke 17. Luke 17. There's one, probably one page or two. And uh, look at verse, uh, I don't know, they're all good. Verse 11. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men which were lepers. That were lepers. Which stood afar off. That's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to stand off. They're supposed to hold their hand over their upper lip, if it hadn't fallen off yet, and uh, they're supposed to lift up their voice and say, unclean, unclean, right? But that's not what they did. Uh, they stood afar up, but they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Do you realize if they wouldn't have went, he only told them to do one thing. Go show yourself to the priest. And if they would have argued or they debated or they said, oh, he's not going to do nothing. If he'd have put up the multitude of excuses that people put up these days, uh, they wouldn't have got cleansed. They got cleansed because they did what Jesus said. Are you saved here tonight? It's because you did what Jesus said. This is so deep. This is so complicated. Amen. All right, so uh, let me see. And then uh, then said, uh, verse 14. uh, uh, No, we read that one. Verse 15, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. They all did. They all went toward the priest. They went to go to where the priest was. They were healed. They would all saw it. One of them, it says, the Bible records, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice, look what it says, glorified God. And then verse 16, then he fell down on his face at his feet. He humbled himself. Amen. Uh, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And he said unto him, arise, the Lord, arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. It says he turned back. You know what he did? He changed direction. You know what Jesus Christ would do? It changed your direction. Amen. And so then he turned back, humbled himself, and, uh, and uh, the Lord said, uh, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. 
Ten lepers were healed. Verse, uh, let me see, verse, verse 19, he, and he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith, we just, yeah, we just read that. Thy faith hath made thee what? Whole. Wait a minute. Ten were healed, but only one was made whole. And that's the one that turned back. That's the one that humbled himself. That's the one that worshiped God. And that's the one that gave thanks and glorified God, and he got made whole. I know some Christians, I don't doubt they're saved, but, I mean, they're so conflicted. I don't get it. And they'll glorify anything but God. Bible says, for the scripture says, whosoever believes in him should not be ashamed. And again, it's fine. You can get excited about all kinds of things. But if you get excited about anything more than Jesus Christ, you got something. You're out of order. Amen. I think that's Bible, isn't it, Brother John? Amen. All right, so we're talking about glorifying God. 2 Corinthians 9. You can keep your place if you want in, second, in uh, Luke 18. But uh, let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians 9. We're talking about getting excited. We're talking about glorifying God. This guy glorified God. That leper glorified God verbally with a loud voice. <laughs> How convenient for me, right? So this girl was standing at our, at our house. She is about five, four or five. And, uh, and uh, during camp meeting, her parents were there, and she says this to my wife. She says, little kid, she says, I don't like your dad. So she laughed for about an hour, half an hour. Oh, why not, honey? Why don't you like my dad? And the girl said, because he has stickers all over him. That's, what, that's how she described tattoos. And, and then she said, and he's loud. <laughs> it's scriptural to be loud. Amen. It's scriptural. It said, with a loud voice glorified God. Look at verse, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 2. For I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Listen, a little enthusiasm goes a long way to encourage other people. Amen? In 1991, I started Bible school only because I was on a pre-sentence investigation for federal drug charges, and... Uh, and I was going to prison sometime that year, and the Bible Institute started. And I, I wasn't the kind of guy that sat around the house when I was locked, and I knew that it would be dangerous. And uh, so I had to find something to do, and it was suggested that I go to Bible classes, which I thought was pretty funny. I have the notebooks from that first year in Bible Institute and somewhere, and I, I can't read a word. I'm trying to write down everything. I mean, it was osmosis if I got anything. Cause, but I was going to class. Well, there's another guy. Came down from Pennsylvania. Him and his wife moved down, and he was going to class too. So his name is Bruce Ireland. He's a pastor in, uh, in, uh, over by Bradford, Pennsylvania. And we went to Bible school together. Now, he had a son. He had some children, but his youngest son uh, was like eight years old when I went to Bible school with him. And uh, so he went to Bible school like four years and moved back to Pennsylvania, 
started a church just like, you know, that's what he, his intention was. And the church is doing fine. And uh, we'll be there sometime in August. Been preaching there 25 years. Amen. And, uh, and uh, so they moved away. And I went up there and this young man that was eight, Grew up and 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 went to went to carpentry school and and graduated and he had to decide between the military or Bible school, and he prayed about it and he came back to Ohio, back to Dayton to go to the same Bible institute that his dad went to, that I went to, and he's going to classes and uh, married a missionary's daughter uh, that was back from uh, New Guinea. And things like that, and got a job, ended up, you know, being a Sunday school teacher and a real blessing. And he's got a job as a uh, project manager for a builder that's building million-dollar homes. And he was late 20s, really gifted, very honest, and he was excited about God. And his testimony was such that when he would come to work, they would have meetings at 6, 6.30 in the morning uh, to get the crews going to the different developments, and he would come in with this attitude, like people are dragging it on Monday morning, and some of them are not exactly up to par. And uh, he'd come in excited. He says, man, you guys should have been at church with me yesterday. And God did this, and God did that. And that enthusiasm resulted in three Bible studies to where enough of these, and some of these guys were pretty rich, and business owners got saved, and they started a church that is thriving 11, 12, or no, maybe eight years later. Just because of a young, it wasn't his design, goal, I mean, I don't know what he was shooting for, but he was excited about Jesus Christ. He was looking for God to move. He'd go into church instead of being critical he just wanted to hear from the Lord, and that's the way you ought to come to church, regardless of what's being preached, regardless of who's being preached. If you come to church with a desire to hear from God, you will. He's not playing hard to get. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to say it again. A little enthusiasm, a little zeal goes a long way to provoke others in the right way. And when Christians get hung up, on everything that's going on out there in this world and everything that's on the news, and it's a mess. But when we respond and react to all the stimuli that the world puts forth, when we get hung up on it, just like lost people do, and sometimes we do, what in the world is anybody going to see in us that's going to make them ask us the reason of the hope that's in us? And if we could learn to see the virtue, and if we could give God the glory, and if we could be excited about what God's doing, it might cause somebody to say, what's up with you? And man, that's the open door we want, isn't it? This guy, uh, it said he immediately received his sight. And then he followed God out of why? Out of gratitude. 
And he glorified God. He's not just following, oh, I guess I won't. I'm sure glad to be healed. I'm sure glad to be forgiven. In our case, I'm sure glad I can see. And and I guess I'll never have any fun anymore. But I'm really glad. And he just, and that's the way some Christians approach Christian life. Are you kidding me? All them years in the bike gangs, all I wanted was to have fun. All I wanted was some excitement. And man, boy, was I on the wrong track. Because when I got saved, I started seeing the creator of everything do things nobody else could do. Being a child of God, being involved in the work of God. And I'm not talking about as events. I'm talking about as a faithful church member. And man, it's been the most exciting 31 years of my life. I wish I'd have got started earlier like some of you have an opportunity to do. Sometimes people get saved and their affections are on things of this world. You know, it doesn't take long to get the far country. It doesn't take long. But it takes a long time to get back. And you won't get back better than you left. And you can't bring the, ho- bring the hog with you. And it takes a long time to get the stench off sometimes. Say, what do I do? You come back anyway. And you learn to glorify God. Amen. So, uh, again, immediately he received his sight, followed him, glorified God. And then uh, the verse 43 wraps up with these words. And all the people, when they saw it, Gave praise unto God. They gave praise unto God too. The fact that Bartimaeus was no longer blind was would have been impossible for them not to notice. Amen. Like I say, he was loud before. You better believe he was loud now. Amen. And that white cane, who knows? That's gone. Forget it. Amen. Like the okay, hold your place there, but go to Acts chapter three. Like the previously lame beggar in Acts chapter 3, verse number 8 says this. Acts chapter 3, verse number 8, the Bible says this. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And I guarantee you the next verses after that say that that they marveled at uh, what had happened to him. And I just want to say it like this. People notice when things change. The greatest witness there is isn't your eloquence in reciting the soul winners, you know, whatever you want to call it. The greatest witness there is is when Jesus Christ changes a person's life. Religion can't do that. No class can do that. Amen? But buddy, that book says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, all things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And when Jesus Christ moves in, uh, he changes your heart. Amen. People in this world are looking for something real. Amen. And you never know it. You know, listen to them, uh, go on and on about social events and, and current events. But you know what, people, they really are. They're just looking for something real. They've been lied to for so long. And, you know, some of them, and maybe you, Maybe that was the way it was for me. Too bad it's not more. 
But some people, when there is no human explanation for events, they look up. And that's where God, amen, that's where he is. And that's where he connects. And we need to point people to Jesus Christ. I'll close with this. First Peter chapter 2. Talking about uh, uh, Bartimaeus getting his sight. Following God. Glorifying God. And being a witness. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. And uh, Peter wrote this. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. Look what it says. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Are you saved? Boy, does that sum it up or what? We were in spiritual darkness, and he has called us out into his marvelous light. <laughs> and you know what? It happened what? Oh, yeah, immediately. Amen? I mean, the expression, the lights came on, there's no better uh, application for that phrase than when a person gets saved and realizes they're not going to hell anymore. Amen? You know, when a person gets saved, that is absolutely the biggest deal of their life. What a testimony to, the, to our carnality that that ever, that getting saved ever falls from the most important thing. But it does. The cares of this life, it's scriptural. Let me tell you something. Our life, he called us out of darkness into his marvelous life. And it said there in the verse that ye should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness. Who are we showing that forth to? The people that are still in darkness. Our light is to be a testimony of the miraculous saving power of Jesus Christ. Not whatever your skill is, not what all that's fine, but our life, we're left here to be a witness to the grace and goodness of God. And it's supposed to. I hope your life does. Three questions for you if you claim to be saved. Are you following him? Again, I, you're here on Thursday night. I'm glad. Um, you should be. And if you're not, who are you following? Because you're following somebody. You're following something. Something has your attention. Something has your affection. If it's not Jesus Christ. You need to ask yourself what it is. You may very well know. Something has your heart. Someone has your attention. I hope it's not some stinking internet kook because there's a bunch of them out there. Amen. And Christians are just surfing the web, soaking it up. And I go church to church, and I hear different names and people that pastors are trying to uh, deprogram. Amen from something that they've been listening to on the Internet. So we need to follow him. Amen? We need to be thankful. You know, it's a sin. I mean, it's a testimony of our humanness, but it is a sin that we are so easily distracted and we take his goodness and grace, the gift of eternal life, for granted. But we do. I do. Amen. And God brings me back again. The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's the praise he's looking for. Uh, again, on the T-shirt for the youth, I think it says, uh, 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Uh, is, is that what your light's doing? Is it, glorifying, it, is it glorifying your Father which is in heaven? Does anybody see any good works in you to glorify God, or do they just know that you go to church once a week? Millions of Americans go to church once a week. They're not making any difference. People are used to that. People don't, people, it doesn't phase people to drive by a church on Sunday or Wednesday and see a bunch of cars in the parking lot. They're on their way to the golf course. They're on their way to the lake. That doesn't bother them. I'm going to tell you what. Now, I guarantee you some have noticed that there's been a bunch of cars here for five days in a row, and that's a good thing. That's a testimony. Amen? Amen. It's crying shame. It's so often the case. And I'm in some church every week talking to people, and too often a case that every conversation, for some people, every conversation always ends up being about them. And that's out of order. Our conversation ought to be mainly about him. Amen. So let's stand. Bartimaeus, I like him. I like him. I like him that he uh, got tapped in early, sold out, realized that he got on board with someone that did what no one else even pretended to be able to do. He never got over it. Amen. I'm not over it. And I'm not saying I'm no spiritual giant. I could get over it. You know what my formula for not getting over it is? Hanging around you guys. Hanging around other Christians. Amen. Iron sharpeneth iron. I need this. Head bowed and eyes closed. I'm not making any assumption. Maybe you're here tonight and you're still in spiritual darkness. Now, we're glad you're here tonight, but maybe you've never been scripturally born again. You need to be. The Bible says believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't make it hard. Religion makes it hard and complicated, but Jesus didn't. He made it real simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Bible said he died for our sins according to the scriptures was buried and rose again the third day according to scripture. If you're in here tonight and you say, Brother Spurgeon, I, I don't know that I would, I don't have, I'd like to go to heaven. I sure don't want to go to hell, but I don't have the confidence that you're talking about. I don't know that I'd go to heaven uh, for sure. And if that's like you, anybody in here, head bowed and eyes closed, if that's you and you'd like me to pray for you or, or with you or a lady with a lady, a man with a man, if there's anybody like that that doesn't have the assurance that I'm talking about, slip your hand up and I'll pray for you. Anybody like that at all? All right. Well, I hope that's the case. Now, there's some folks up here on the altar. I don't know what they're up here for. Uh, maybe they're up here thanking God for his goodness. Boy, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't fault them for that. Maybe they're up here asking God to forgive them for letting the cares of this life. Maybe get a little uh, too big in their life and you get that thing sorted out and rearranged and get God back on the throne and and in the course of enjoying the other things and just make sure you're glorifying God in your life. And uh, man, let's point people to the cross so we can get out of here. Again, altars open. What page? 613, if you're good, don't have anybody to pray about, get your hymnal, sing along. Altar's open now. If you change your mind, feel free to come.
We're not hung up on formality. 